This is Pete Moore on Halo Talks NYC. I have the pleasure of sheltering in place with my new fast friend, Lester Morales, Tampa by way of Puerto Rico, helping to entirely overhaul the healthcare system. No pressure. Lester, welcome to the show. I appreciate it, Pete. Thanks so much for having me. Awesome. So um, so you're an entrepreneur working in a, uh, a very institutionalized world that you're trying to change. So why don't you start off by giving everyone your background and, uh, uh, you know, layer in why you have the guts to go and take on, you know, this behemoth of a, uh, of a sector that's slow moving. Yeah, yeah, no, I appreciate it. Uh, I am a, uh, you know, what's funny, you'll ask most people that are in the insurance business why they got into the business. And most people back their way in, right? It might be a relative, it might be somebody, but most people fall into it and it's a very lucrative business. Uh, I actually got my degree in risk management insurance. So I often joke that says I'm doing this on purpose. Uh, that purpose uh, is, is my why. Uh, and unfortunately, when I was 16, my dad was diagnosed with multiple myeloma, which for your listeners that don't know, that's, that's cancer of your bone marrow. Uh, so immediate bone marrow transplant, chemo, radiation, uh, and unfortunately, we became one of those statistics. So they say 67% of all personal bankruptcies come because of medical reasons, uh, and we became that medical reason, So, or that 67%. So we had to file bankruptcy when I was in high school for... Uh, for health reasons, you know, you've got a ten thousand, a twenty thousand dollar out of pocket max, uh, and you hit that three or four years. How many families have thirty, forty thousand dollars extra in the bank when they're still trying to pay a mortgage, send the kids to baseball camp, you know, et cetera, et cetera? So, um, you know, I saw very quickly that it just didn't make sense. Both of my parents worked. My mom worked for the federal government. Worked for the VA for thirty-seven years, and she had health care. My dad had health care. And wait a second, we're filing bankruptcy? And we were a very normal, middle-class, suburbia, Tampa family. And for, you know, for Puerto Ricans, you know, going to the U.S., that was the American dream. Like, we were there, you know? And uh, so when I went into college, um, the opportunity to see a degree in in insurance, and I kind of understood the whole insurance thing. I didn't like it, obviously. And so it was kind of one of those, well, let me figure out how the how the belly of the beast works. So very quickly figured out that um, it's a broken system. Uh, it, it absolutely is a broken system. And the, uh, you know, I, I played at the highest levels. I worked for the third largest insurance consulting firm in the world, uh, rose the ranks, was a top advisor, and then uh, was in leadership and, and ran sales for all of North America. So I had 200 salespeople that worked for me. And you know, what you start to figure out, and it was a wonderful experience, it's a wonderful company, but what you start to figure out is, um, you know, in order to actually make a dent and, and make a change, it's hard to turn the Titanic. Uh, the Titanic wants you to, you know, to color inside the lines, and probably as I read about your bio, you're not one to color inside the lines either. I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm yeah, not what, a, what, what lines, what lines are you exactly. talking about? The, the book doesn't even have lines, right? So, exactly. uh, so, so yeah, so I, I jumped into the entrepreneurial world and, uh, I wish I could say I hit the ground with success immediately, but it was, uh, it was a rocky first uh, year and I'm down here in Puerto Rico, as you said, and, 
2017, unfortunately, my mom passed away from pancreatic cancer. The hurricane happened, uh, which shares the name of my mom being Maria. Uh, mm. Less than six weeks later, I had three feet of water in my house. I had 34 windows in my office blowouts. And I had employees that lost everything. And so, you know, it just, again, makes you, and, and I'm uh, listening to the uh, Start With Why uh, book by Simon Sinek. And, okay. and that book, plus all of this that happens, just it, it actually solidifies 100% that this world is, is nothing without purpose and, and roaming through life without a purpose. And that why is such a big deal. So that's why I'm sitting here, man. That's why... Uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's a trillion dollar business. But if you can make a dent in it and, and, and show people the right way, I get to uh, make sure that there's families that don't have to deal with what I had to deal with, which is, you know, filing bankruptcy and not knowing how to do this. So so one of the things that, that have happened over the last several months and now everyone is is uh, aware of is, you know, overloading the, the hospitals uh, because of COVID. And you know, it, it, it struck me as I was thinking about the talk that, that we're going to have here, you know, why don't they think like that all the time? You know, like why, what, what's the point of like saying, you know what, I got availability at a, at a hospital or a clinic, so I'm okay. So it's almost like this magnitude of like, hey, we want to make sure that you don't get sick because we don't want you to be a tax on the healthcare system yet they don't care what people put into their bodies. They don't care that they get all these kids are getting diabetes. Like why don't, what is this the tidal wave that we were looking for? Is this just going to pass like everything else? You know, how to, like it's such an ideal scenario right now to be like, Hey guys, focus on prevention is probably less than 500 bucks a year to get people into the gym, incentivize them, gamify it. Like 80%, I think I read an article, you probably have a better stat than I do, but like 80% of the cost of the healthcare system is like an end of life or like once you get a disease. So like instead of finding the cure, let's just make sure no one gets it. Yeah, is, yeah, I know. It seems so You're, obvious to me. That that exact topic is what what I would say the one term called misaligned incentives. Right. So I often have a conversation and, and I know part of your audience are, are very financial astute people. So, uh, well, let's think about it. The major insurance companies uh, are all public companies. Right. A public company is built to grow. Right. They have quarterly earnings. They got a hit. Their executives get paid based on the stock price. And you have a public company. Now, let's think about this. How do they make money? So an insurance company's revenue is what the normal person calls what? Premium. Premiums. Right? Yeah. And so tell me, what's the incentive of a health insurance company in the normal state to reduce premiums, which we just defined as their revenue? Uh, mm -hmm. and, and so it just is completely... So take a hospital, take everything downstream and say the same thing. What's the hospital's incentive to actually make people healthier. And, and so it's such an interesting thing. I don't think any doctor, any hospital, or anybody gets into this business with the mindset of misaligned incentives. I don't think, I think everybody got, went to med school and they did what they did because of mm -hmm. pure, true uh, intent. So when people say the system's broken, no, the system's working exactly the way it was supposed to work by the way it was designed. 
it is just designed incorrectly. And, and so you're exactly, exactly right. We focus on the wrong things. So when you, yeah, I mean, I'm just thinking out loud here, but yeah, so premiums go up by 10%. My revenue go up 10%. My stock price goes up 10%. Everybody wins, except for people still getting sick and being an even bigger tax on, on the industry. And I mean, my uncle runs a hospital up in Massachusetts and um, every one of these hospitals loses money, even under the current format. And they're, they're actually funding their, the non-for-profits at least, they're funding their business based on, you know, endowment funds and, and donations. So, you know, what is the, how do we get to the tipping point or what's your idea on finally convincing these people like, look, you're collecting all these premiums. Maybe there's like a floor, like a minimum premium you're going to get, but, and maybe your, your expenses go down and, and, and you get to keep those premiums. Obviously the premiums go up and down with the expense ratio. Um, so I, so I don't know if we get alignment by that, but maybe, you know, just like with, uh, you know, protests going on in the streets, not, not to get political here, but like, you know, protests make change and people make change. So if people change their habits, then everyone has to get aligned because they have no choice. That's what the demand says instead of the supply side of it. So what, what do we need to do together now that we're friends to, to fix this shit? So, you know, the, 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 the key word in this, Pete, for me is, is transparency, right? Nobody knows how much where any of these dollars go, right? So, so think about this. Name me another consumer good. I don't care what it is that you buy it, you procure it, and you have no idea what the cost of it is until after you've done it, and then they send you a bill and tell you how much you pay. You wouldn't buy a car like that. You wouldn't buy anything like that. And so I deal in the employer space. So uh, everything we build is employer-based uh, uh, plan. So what's interesting is the industry itself, from the from the advisors in the space uh, to the uh, employers in the space to the health insurance companies, we've all been taught to think that healthcare is not a controllable expense, and that's yeah. absolutely BS. It's an absolutely and I love the quote uh, Howard Schultz, the CEO of Starbucks a couple of years ago, released a, uh, an article that said that was the first time he realized that Starbucks spends more on health insurance than they do on coffee. Huh. So, so let that think. So, so when you think about this, the employer space who pushes more dollars into the healthcare system than basically anybody else other than Medicare, you look at that and say, it's their number two expense, but we have taught people to not really ask any questions. So think about that. People shop for everything other than healthcare. They mm-hmm. will go online and understand exactly how much the cost of a car is before they set foot on that dealership. They'll drive two hours out of their way to save a couple thousand dollars. But tell me, when's the last time you heard anybody around the dinner table, behind the water cooler, wherever you talk to your pals, your contacts, when's the last time you told somebody or uh, heard somebody say, Oh yeah, you know what? I shopped for that MRI and I saved eight hundred dollars by going from this place to this place. And, You're and, so, and right. so, so that's so the obvious. ticket. It's that's so obvious. Ticket. That's yeah. the ticket. So your your you, you say your brother uh, or your cousin owns a hospital? 
runs hospital? Right. Yeah, he's the CEO of a hospital, and he's okay. been the uh, you know chief administrative officer of some really big Massachusetts hospitals over time. So, so, so this will be great conversation over a glass of wine with him with you. Um, what what you typically hear from hospitals is that they spend thirty to forty cents on the dollar trying to collect that dollar. So as premiums go up and up and up, well, people's salaries aren't going up and up and up. Healthcare rates are going up and up and up. And so what happens? That hospital now turns into a damn collection agency because mm-hmm. you've got a $3,000 deductible and a $5,000 deductible, and that's why people file bankruptcy. So what we do is we have we don't use the insurance companies. So if, if the incentives aren't aligned... Let's have a direct conversation with the hospital themselves and say, if we paid you quicker and we didn't make you chase those dollars, would you accept a better number? So if we understand how much you it costs you to do the service, we need you and we want you to make a margin, but we want to make it a fair margin so that we're not overpaying. It's a win-win there. We'll pay you faster. And we won't make you chase those dollars. Now, on the member side, the employee side, now they're needing to have a conversation about where they're accessing healthcare because the cost from this hospital to this hospital might be completely different. But more importantly, the quality of that hospital from that hospital might be different. So we put an advocate, a concierge of sorts, in front of accessing healthcare that can not only help them understand the quality of it, but now that cost conversation says, hey, Pete, if you're okay having your MRI at that local imaging center down the street, we'll waive your deductible and coinsurance because behind the scenes, it costs $300 there and it costs $1,800 over there for the same damn machine with the same tech that went to the same school. Right. So, so, you know, you see all these uh, progressive insurance on your, your car and, and, you know, they obviously have a, a number of different products, but they claim to be very transparent and say, Hey, here's the prices that we're have. And here's the prices. If we can find a better one, that's great. We've been doing it for 80 years or whatever they say. I saw that ad with those people in the white you know, aprons. Um, but, um, you know, back in New York city, when you wanted to buy a mattress before all these direct to consumer, used to call 1-800-MATTRESS and save the, you know, take the last S for savings. It used to call them up and you'd say, hey, I want to buy this Sealy mattress for like 600 bucks. And they say, oh, where'd you see that? You saw it at Sleepy's for 599. You saw it at, uh, you know, a mattress firm for 488. Like they just, they were just like an intelligence agency. It was pretty sick. And you ended up buying it from because they just knew the market and they would price it. I thought it was pretty brutal. I didn't, I didn't really understand the business model back in the day, but it always stuck out to me. They're like, holy shit, these people know more than anybody. And they're actually like a seller, right? So what, what role are you playing right now in trying to get to that level of transparency? And then are you trying to be your own insurance company or are you trying to be the aggregator of the insurance options? Yeah. So I would say we're kind of the architect of the program. So most employers have an advisor, very similar to a stockbroker or financial advisor that you might have. An employer typically has an insurance advisor. We work with that insurance advisor to construct these types of plans. 
99% of insurance advisors out there know what we call the BUCAs, Blue Cross, United, Cigna, Aetna, Humana. That's just the natural thing. They're used to going to that place to take it off the shelf, and that's how they solve that solution. We don't use that option. We build our own programs, and so we help the advisor understand what's wrong with the system today. So we talked about the differences between the spread and all that jazz, uh, and then two, how do you construct that and wrap the insurance? But remember, the insurance company is not. So here's what a, a profound thing. Health insurance and health care, we need to separate those two things. Okay. Health care is where you're going to access care. So the focus on quality and cost is important. How you finance that doesn't need to be through an insurance company. I, so again, I'm telling you, if you talk to a hospital CEO and say, I can pay you faster and I won't make you chase, will you give me a better deal? That's an easy financial conversation to have. That's now how did we finance that health care between mm -hmm. the organization, the employer, and they represent their employee population and a place that they can do access health care. So that's what we do. So we unbundle the thought process of you have to go to the normal place to get your health insurance. We unbundle that and create a, what we call a, a platform for people to come construct their programs. And we do that, all the stuff, uh, kind of the nerdy stuff behind the scenes. So uh, not glorious, sure. not sure. pretty, but uh, highly, highly effective. Right. Okay. So let's take, um, let's take an example. So let's say like the Tampa, uh, Teachers Union, as an example, they came to you and say, "Hey, Lester, like, here's our our healthcare costs are completely out of control. We're writing checks to you know Blue Cross Blue Shield of Florida. What kind of plan do you rearchitect for them?" So the plan the plan design itself could be anything. So you pay twenty five dollar copay, you do whatever, whatever. So let's just say they wanted to keep the same plan design. So what we do is we say, okay. That's your worst case scenario. Your best case scenario, Mr. Member or Mrs. Member, so the person actually accessing healthcare, if you call into the advocate, they're going to make a recommendation on where you go using cost and quality data. Most people don't understand Medicare CMS, they actually publish the cost and what Medicare reimburses and quality metrics can be measured by multiple sources and they're public sources. Now, you have to know how to read it, you have to know how to make it pretty, and you have to make it useful. That's what companies have done. So if you could think, I had a couple computer screens and when you called in saying you needed a knee surgery, well, a knee surgery has a code, you could punch in that code and that system will tell you exactly what the cost of a knee surgery is at these specific hospitals and the quality metrics between the hospitals and the surgeons. So the incentivization needs to be that that member picked up the phone and called the advocate. So that's the difference in this scenario, just like everything else. You're in the fitness industry, who knows best? How about the trainer that actually does this for a living and knows? Mm -hmm. so this example is that advocate knows how to shop. So now what's happening is that worst case scenario plan design, if you take that recommendation and go where they say, you have no deductible, you have no co-insurance, you pay nothing. Oh, okay. 
So you're basically like Rotten Tomatoes meets Kayak for the healthcare industry. Okay. You know what? I've never, I've never heard it that way, but I'm okay with that. I mean, I think it's good, right? You're basically I'm reading the, the content, which is the provider, and I'm making sure that it's priced properly, and I'm doing it based on where you live. So, Well, what's interesting about it is, is again, every other industry competes, right? Every other co- industry competes. Now, what's great about our opportunity, because we're not using the insurance company's contracts, is we can now bring competition back into it. Hey, Hospital ABC, it says here that Medicare pays you a dollar for this knee surgery. We want to pay you a dollar fifty, a fifty percent net margin. We'll pay it to you in net thirty terms, and you don't have to chase that money. Will you take it? They have the opportunity to say yes. They have the opportunity to say no. But there's other healthcare facilities in that market, or maybe not in that market. So you know how many times we have put somebody on an airplane right. because the best quality. So this happened to me the other day from Phoenix, Arizona to Oklahoma City. So there's a Oklahoma Heart Institute. Your members should look it up. The guy has been publishing his prices online since like the 80s. One of the nation's leading leading heart institutes. We flew somebody from Phoenix, Arizona, where the cost was anticipated to be $190,000. Flew him to Oklahoma City twice for the actual surgery and the follow-up. And that total cost, including flying him, his wife, first class, everything, was $67,000. That's amazing. And that that cost would have fallen on the employer's P&L? On the employer's P&L. And obviously, that employee would have had some, you know, sub-segment of that, right? Their deductible, their co-insurance. So in that example, that employee saved $8,000. And the client saved over a hundred, and we got them to the a better quality scenario. So that I, happens I, every single day. That's, that's amazing. That's unbelievable to me. The, the magnitude of that differential is is is, is unbelievable to me. And that happens block yeah. to block. I mean, if you looked at the healthcare cost, literally from that hospital to that hospital, even in the same geographic city, or that yeah. hospital versus that ambulatory surgery center. And so that became very interesting during COVID because where didn't you want to be with it when COVID in the hospital? So, you know, those ambulatory surgery centers became an interesting opportunity until they got closed down to say, I still need to have my patients get colonoscopies and mammograms and be preventive, like you said in the beginning, but I don't want to send them to the hospital. Yeah. I run the risk of now that that, that getting out of control. So can you force... Or can maybe not you, but can employers force basically like I want a menu at a restaurant and I'm not doing business with you unless you provide me a menu with prices. Is that does that happen now or not? So so uh, the way it works is when you work with the insurance companies, one of the things you work with the insurance companies for is because they've built a network and that network has contracts. Right. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, those contracts are not in the best interest. So, I mean, again, back to the insurance companies, premium being their revenue and, and sort of, sort of, and, and honestly, hospitals too, right? So there's a little bit of, they need each other. So in this example, a, an employer using the traditional means, no, you can't go to them and say, hey, 
uh, you know, you can get the best price of what they will offer. You can compete against Cigna versus Aetna and so on and so on. But in regards to really being able to get the best financial transaction, you have to step out of the status quo and, and do these more innovative ways, which is, you know, when you start looking about in the industry, and again, your audience will appreciate this, you tell me that Jamie Dimon, uh, Bezos, and Warren Buffett are getting into the healthcare industry to do it through the normal carriers? Yeah. yeah. Right? What is it? What's the famous quote? Your margin's my opportunity. So, you know, it, it's, it, it's going to want it. So normally what people think is that you have to be Walmart, you have to be Amazon, you have to be those size companies to do these conversations. And that's what we've figured out is how to produce this on a mass scale to companies that are right in your backyard with 150 employees. So, so uh, you've got, you got a software and a lot of intelligence and data in there. And also you've got personal concierge that are, that are basically working these accounts. Yep. So the, the cost and quality data is all on technology uh, and the, the concierge and, and doing the kind of the negotiation and making sure that all happens is just, hand-to-hand combat. It, it, it's putting the people, you know, it's putting the health and the people, the humanizing back into healthcare as opposed to, you know, call the 1-800 number and wait in line. I mean, when you start looking at the, the scores of customer service, uh, you know, the net promoter scores, I don't know if you've heard that term before, the net yeah, promoter course, yeah, scores. MPS, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so if you've heard that and you look at where health insurance companies rank, the uh, only types of companies that people would rather talk to less are cable and internet providers. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Hey, so um, so a couple of years ago, I went to the uh, Clinton Health Matters conference, and um, there was a keynote speech by the uh, the CEO at the time uh, of Humana, and they uh, they asked him on a panel. They said, "Hey, what what's the biggest issue in the healthcare industry right now?" And the guy said, "Loneliness." Right. The loneliness is where people start to let themselves go physically, to let themselves go mentally. Um, you know, Dave and I, obviously, you know, we're huge advocates of the of the health club industry and that, you know, we think exercise, you know, give me eight weeks and I'll change your life. And nine out of 10 times it, it, it works. So, you know, how from your standpoint and your business and also, you know, given your purpose in life, like we want to. We want those hospitals to be there for emergency situations. It's stuff that you cannot control. So how can you help us make people aware that, you know, look, we're, we're going to negotiate for you on that cardio, you know, Oklahoma City gig, but you're also going to negotiate that every one of your employees is going to work out at LA Fitness or Gold's Gym for 19 bucks a month. Like, why isn't that such a no-brainer? Yeah, you know, you know what's really interesting. So I am. Uh, I'll tell you, I'm a. I woke up this morning at three thirty, and the first thing I do every single day is get my get my gym on. So uh, in COVID right now, I'm looking at a completely rigged up pull up bar with two chains and a metal pole in the middle of it. Let me see it, dude. Let me uh, see it. And uh, it, you can't see it from me. I'd have to unhook my camera. You tilt it. Uh, no, no, you don't have to do that. Right. Yeah, I believe so it. I, I could, believe it. But, uh, but, but no, I am a, I am a huge, huge fitness guy. So yeah. I, I am 100%. And for me, as much as it is, and I'll be honest, as much as it's vanity because I like to look good, it is 100% a mental thing for me. So like 
the amount of stress we're all carrying around right. every day, this, uh, uh, you know, COVID has been an unbelievable thing. The fact that if people don't use fitness, and when you look at the healthcare cost, and we were talking about this earlier before we started, so much of healthcare dollars are spent on preventable things because people let themselves be obese. And when you're obese, your diabetes goes up. And when you eat bad, your diabetes goes up. And then you're an in-stage renal and then you need dialysis and then you die. I mean, like, so you look at that and it's so much of a thing. So what, 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 uh, as an advisor, when I was actually advising clients, my biggest thing was, hey, when we save money, so in this conversation that we're having right now, we can save employers money. Why wouldn't that employer reinvest some of that back into their employees and do offset the cost of their fitness opportunities. And so it is 100% hand in hand and it really starts with culture and the culture of that organization to be a organization of wellness and of fitness and, and whether that's mentally fit, whether that's financially fit, whether that, I mean, the mm-hmm. word fit doesn't necessarily just mean you got to go to the gym. So the, the reality of that, but it starts all the way at the top. So I can tell you when I have my Zoom team meetings, the first thing people are telling me is what are they doing today for fitness? Because I don't want my employees, yeah, awesome. you know, I mean, we're sitting, I'm sitting in this damn chair you know, 8, 10, 15, 20 hours a day because we're stuck in a COVID situation, right? And and so I am, man, Pete, I, I couldn't believe, I couldn't agree with you more that the reason I love these types of plans is that we are giving employers back dollars. We're giving members back dollars. Those dollars could be reinvested in the things that are going to keep them healthy. And, you know, back yeah. to the why conversation, I think the other thing that I I, I stress that CEOs and and people in the business always talk to their people about is if that, if you think that fitness and working out and being healthy is a chore, then reconstruct your brain to think of it as something else. So what's important to you? You want to play with your grandkids longer? You want to play with your kids longer? Well, then don't get overweight because you're eventually going to, you know, that's so, so I think it's people's why and they need what motivates them to be fit for me it's mental and I'm vain so for me I get it like but for somebody else you know I don't have grandkids or kids but for somebody else if that's your motivation make it your motivation Mm -hmm. to stay healthy for them so you can play with them longer yeah Yeah. one of the things I like to go after when you're done cleaning up the uh healthcare industry if you can put this on your to-do list for me bro I will is I want to go after the guy or the woman that puts the fucking serving sizes on things. Okay. I'll go to an airport. Okay. (laughs) This is like the biggest bullshit. Okay. I'll go to an airport right now and I will go in and you're thinking you're going into like the healthy snack area and then you flip it around and it's eight serving sizes, right? For like a, like a fruit nut chocolate pack. And like people are down in that, like that's one serving. So they just consume like 80 grams of sugar divided by four is literally 20 tablespoons, teaspoons, right? And I'm just like, what? <laughs> it doesn't make sense to me. It so is, the food uh, industry is like part of the problem. It is, you know, you know and, and, and I will say this. I think uh, my mom always used to, you know, God rest her soul. My mom used to always ask me, son, you're in the business. How, how do you fix this? And the one thing, you know, I'll leave you with a notion that I carry myself. 
it, it does come down to personal accountability, right? Because yeah. everybody controls your actions every single day. And, and if everybody did do those things, uh, you know, we would have a much healthier society. We would have a much, you know, happier society because tell me the person that gets done with a good workout and is pissed off. It's impossible. Your endorphins are up. I mean, everything. You don't like, it's like, you know, yeah. are, you, are you mad after sex? Like, come on. Like, it's, you know, how, how are you mad after you have a good workout? So mm -hmm. it, it, it's a personal accountability, though. It, it's not easy, but nothing worth having is ever easy. And so, you know, it goes back to that motivational factor that each man, woman, child, you know, black, white, green, yellow, old, young has to have. Yeah, I almost jumped through the TV about six months ago. I'm watching a show and they were talking about fast casual restaurants making the booths bigger to accommodate larger size people. And I'm like, dude, don't make it convenient. Like that is not the answer. Like you want to be accommodating. That's not a place that we want to accommodate you. If you're handicapped, disabled, I'm a hundred and 50% going to make everything much easier for you in life. But if you make a decision and lack the discipline, that should not be my capital expenditure, right? If I'm a business and it also shouldn't be my problem is as, as on the healthcare side. A, 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 amen. The amount of dollars we would save as a society on healthcare dollars. I, I always say the same thing. Like you can control certain things. And it's not always the results, right? It's not always, some people are more prone to higher glucose scores or whatever, but you can control all of the things. So it's compliant versus non-compliant. And so, you know, those are types of um, ways you can incentivize through a health plan. So you can give people rates that are lower than others around being compliant, checking the boxes. And so some of the innovative companies do use fitness as that, where it's like, okay, you need to get a physical every year. You're going to you know, monitor your glucose because the reality and the thought process is the more people that actually know something, the, more, the higher your puncher's chance is for that person to actually care about doing something better with it. Uh, and so you're trying to just get people to be exposed to it and hopefully that inertia gets created. But you're exactly right, man. I mean, we make it too easy for people to make bad decisions. And that's why we waive the deductible and coinsurance when they make the right decision. Make it easy for them it. to make the right decision. Right. So, um, so, so two things I want to cover before we, uh, we, we finish up here. One is, do you have any health club chains or any franchisors as part of your client base right now? I do not. You know, it's funny. Uh, we talked about that company, PeerFit. Uh, I've been talking to them about we could actually build a program uh, that all of the franchisees and things of that nature that are small employers that struggle with getting, we could actually build a program and put all of those people in a bigger pool. It's not easy. It takes some work, but it's absolutely something that can happen, which again, if you're trying to attract a healthy risk pool, Obviously, people who do fitness for a living are going to be good, you know, good yeah. people to have. So well, the, the other thing that, you know, in, in Orange Theory is based down in, uh, in, in Boca Raton, and we're happy to make some intros, you know, at the franchisor level. But, but I think what could be really interesting as we're, as we're talking here, and I, I don't think I'm able to think unless I'm talking out loud. So stick with me for another minute. Sometimes I'm talking to myself and my fiance is like, are you talking to me? I'm like, no, no, just 
just trying to share a thought with myself. Uh, anyway, the, you know, if you if you were able to potentially say like fast forward a year from now or two years from now and be like, hey, look, I got Orange Theory, Lifetime Fitness, Planet Fitness, um, LA Fitness, like they all use my insurance platform. Like maybe that becomes almost like a first mover to say, look, these are all the guys that actually like are involved in, in keeping people fit and they use me to basically even make their healthcare costs lower. Maybe that's an interesting calling card to change the conversation. Be like, why don't you do what these people are doing? They're best in class. They got the lowest expense ratio. You know? Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's, it's not a bad thought. And, and I'm a, uh, well, you said orange theory. I'm a huge orange, orange theory fan. Uh, huge. They just opened one down here in Puerto Rico. I was mad because I was trying to figure out how I got the franchise rights to it, but uh, I, I'm a big fan. Uh, we'll follow up on that. So we usually close each one of these with a uh, with a, a quote that you live by, or a, a quote that people would say you're uh, you know like that, that comes out of your mouth a lot. I know you got a lot. I read some in the in the article related to your mom and and passing and purpose and and drive. But do you have any kind of cliche or quote that uh, that that you get fired up about? Yeah, I'll give you two if you don't mind. One's business and one's personal. Uh, for business, I always say this, you can't pay less for healthcare unless you pay less for healthcare. And, and that's a, a, an interesting thought, but if we continue to buy our healthcare, letting somebody else dictate how much we spend for it, it's never going to go down because that person has different incentives than I have. And so organizations and, and companies need to take a look outside of what they're doing today uh, it's it's Albert Einstein's right that if you keep doing the same thing and thinking it's going to change, you're insane, right? So right. so that's my business one. My personal one is a Dave Matthews quote. Uh, I've been listening my, to Dave Matthews like nonstop the last two weeks. Okay, so uh, the song is number forty one. The quote is the beginning of the second uh, verse, and it says, "I will go in this way, but I will find my own way out." And uh, that is, you know, something I've always said is. I, I um, am a very big observer of what other people do, uh, but I am not a copier of other people's doings because I, I, you know, I march to the beat of my own drum. So I like when people, you know, I like learning from people. I'm a big podcast listener and consumer. I'm an ebook consumer. I like to listen and learn, but I also like to get my hands dirty and figure out and make it my own. So I, I've lived like that since I was. I mean, Dave was my college years. So, you know, this is talking yeah, back, in, yeah, back in, in, in the late 90s. So that, that's my personal one. Well, listen, I would, uh, I'd love to have you come to our Halo Academy. Uh, we do five case studies. You'll love it. It's kind of like a little mini two-week business school. We do it in uh, July. We're starting it. We're, we're in, a, in a process of finishing up right now. So we go over Planet Fitness and talk about like, that business model. And we went over CrossFit talk about the pros and cons of being a licensee. And then two days after that, the guy sends out that tweet, you know, that was a risk that we actually didn't cover in the discussion, but it was so relevant. Then we had the woman from soul cycle, who was the founder talking about that as a revenue, you know, per member and not, you know, put your uh, classes on class pass. And then um, we did uh, last night, we did cycle for survival, which started out as just a, uh, you know, donations to try and go after sarcoma. 15 years later, a friend of mine started, fortunately she passed. 
um, they raised $208 million for a uh, rare cancer treatment. And then, uh, and we're finishing up on Tuesday with Peloton. So we're going to rerun that same academy with executives from what we call the halo sector. Uh, so we'll, we'll talk to you about that offline. Uh, that's going to start on July 13th. I just put in some contextual marketing there, bro. I, but I was, I was delivering that to you directly. You, you, but I've also now yeah. shared it with my universe of listeners. You did a good job time. with it. I, I, didn't even, I didn't even know you were pitching, so it's good. I wasn't, I wasn't pitching, man. I was just trying to bring you under the halo sector. Hey, man, it's been a pleasure talking to you. I hope we get together in person soon. Let's try and help each other out. I'd love to bring you in as a disruptor. It just makes shit happen. And I think we can open up some doors. And I think if we get enough people talking the way we're talking, like at some point we're a tidal wave and, and we're going to make it work. So I 100% agree. Be I, I, be I, safe. Dave, I, I appreciate you reaching out, Pete. Thanks so much, man. I'm grateful that you had me on. Thanks. All right, guys. Y'all be good. Thank you very much. Stay healthy. All right, later. Good stuff. Give a shout out to my good friends at lassogear.com, L-A-S-S-O-G-E-A-R.com. I want to give you 20% off using the code Halo Talks on the best compression socks on the planet. I've been using them during the pandemic. My field goal kicking is further and stronger than it's ever been. Check out these socks. You'll love them. They got an L and an R to make it easy to put on each foot. Enjoy it. Trust me, you'll love them.